Welcome to another episode of Celluloid Citizens. As always, I am Sean M. Thompson. I'm Christopher Burke. And I'm Gemma Files. And on the episode today, we're going to be discussing 2020's Possessor, written and directed by uh, Brandon Cronenberg, and starring Andrea Riseborough as Tasia Voss, Christopher Abbott as Colin Tate, Jennifer Jason Leigh as Girder, and others. Hell yeah. Um, so <laughs> So this was my second time watching this. Uh Gemma was was this your first or second uh, time? Uh third. Third, okay. And Chris, had you seen this before? Uh yeah, this was my second watch, but uh, this one this time I saw the uncut Blu-ray versus whichever cut was streaming uh like a year or like at the beginning of this year, I think. So, a couple of slight okay. differences that were interesting to note. I'm not really, I mean, I watched the, I watched whatever was on Hulu, so I don't know if that's the uncut version or not. I think I've only seen uncut available on Blu-ray. I don't think that I've seen anything advertised as uncut on streaming, but. Well, well, I'll, yeah. I'll ask you this, Sean. Uh, was there a penis in your cut? <laughs> no, seriously. Did, uh, did Chris Rabbit uh, look at one guy's ween? Um, over uh, the yeah, actually, I too saw I saw bleh, I saw two erect dicks, so this must be the uncut yes, one. Yeah, that would be, yeah, and and was Tazia sporting a peen at one point? Then yes, that was the uncut. Yes, she was actually. That's right. Is that the main difference, or I, I feel like there has to be something else, no, right? Or I'm, is I'm that pretty it? sure that's it. Um, oh, yeah, peens, oh, peens right. are usually where uh, things get cut, so to speak. Yeah. I figured the minute, like, the instant I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's probably one of the things that didn't make it. <laughs> but I did read that um, I think there are some just slight extensions of some of the the gore and violence. Like, I, I think I saw that there's a little a little bit of footage added from that. Yeah. But yeah. But probably nothing like that you would, that would stick out. And, well, pardon the, pardon the word, but so yeah, stick out like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, in general, I like this movie. I assume everybody else likes this movie. I like this. Movie I mean, everyone else here, rather. I like this movie a lot. Um, it, uh, yeah, it it really is like, oh look, David Cronenberg. Oh, Brandon Cronenberg made a made another movie. <laughs> Not quite the same thing, but almost the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because you can see the you can sort of see some of his dad in his. Uh, subject matter and like body horror but it's like tonally it's a little different yeah um chris what did you like what are your general i guess thoughts about possessor i you know i i liked it even more on a second watch i, I think that uh the first time i saw it i liked it a good bit but a lot of it a lot of the detail kind of faded and just muddled into something that i couldn't really I don't know. It didn't stick in my memory as much, even though I remembered I liked it. But, you know, this time around, especially watching a Blu-ray with everything, all the colors, even more sleek looking and all the, the extra stuff, the the story just made a lot more sense to me this time around, too. So I, I think that I caught a lot of the, more of the details that had either faded from memory or that I missed the first time around. So, yeah, I, I really like this movie a lot and even more so on a second watch. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that was sort of my experience as well was... um. I think I like this better actually on a second watch. I think it's one of those films where there's so much, it's sort of deceptively, um, trying to think how to phrase it. It's deceptively simple, yet there's a lot going on. There's a lot of really interesting things going on about gender. 
um, or, yeah. or I guess, lack thereof in a lot of ways. You know, um, one of the things that I have occasionally not liked all that much about Cronenberg Pear is that uh, he does come from a different generation and there's a certain amount of gender essentialism that kind of works its way in here and there. He was getting a little out of it with stuff like Existence and Videodrome to, to a smaller degree. But um, but Brandon in particular is very interested in playing with gender roles. And here it's just like that's that's not the. Uh, what do you call that? Um, it's not the undercurrent. It's the current. It's the. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, before we go in. Obviously, Andrew Riseborough does a great job, but I think the person that sticks out to me is actually um, Christopher Abbott because he doesn't he doesn't have the easiest job because he has to play. He's not only playing an, a certain character, then he has to play that character possessed by someone else who is playing that character. Yes. So it's like four different layers of acting. Yeah, I'd only be able to do a so-so job at that. That's, that seems tough. <laughs> um, no, he had, does a great had, job, I, I think. Sorry, go ahead. Had, I'm sorry. Had either of you guys seen Piercing before this? I have not. I don't think so. Yeah, because um, that's a really interesting film. And uh, it's the, like the second film by the guy who, the same dude who did uh, The Eyes of My Mother. And, oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've had it on my list to watch, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I did like The Eyes of My Mother quite a bit. Yeah, well, it's sort of like him doing a giallo. Um, uh, and uh, basically, Abbott plays the main character, who's a guy who wants to murder someone. Or, or rather, I don't think he wants to. He just kind of feels like he has to. And he ends up um, uh, making a date with Mia Wazakowska. Uh, who turns out to be crazier than he is. Um, <laughs> so again, interesting sort of sounds like fun. interesting sort of gender stuff going back and forth. But that's where I first really recognized him from, and that's um, yeah. And I and I think that uh, that might have been one of the things that made Cr Brandon Cronenberg go, "Oh yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I'd like that dude <laughs> for my for my." puppet <laughs> so i guess let's i guess chronologically might make sense for this one since it is important mm -hmm. um of course as i always say i don't take notes so if anybody has better notes than i do which is none uh like i struggle to remember the very very first shot that is a needle going into a skull, uh, which is uh, an image that okay. comes back in, in many, many different iterations throughout. And that's really something that I wouldn't have caught the first time around, at least not quite this early. Mm -hmm. um, specifically into the scalp of a uh, young black lady, uh, Holly. Um, and we don't really understand why she appears to be sticking a needle through her own scalp there's blood wells up it's it's very disturbing um she's sticking it between her uh her corn her cornrows basically and yeah. um and then tuning it uh with something that literally looks like an old radio tuner um 
And as she spins the dial on this thing, um, emotions begin to play across her face. She's looking at herself in a mirror and um, first she starts to laugh and then she begins to cry um, and then she kind of smooths out. She just straightens completely. And um, much later, we'll realize that this is uh, something that Tassia Voss usually does while possessing somebody. Um, it's like she feels like she has to um, put the puppet that she's moving around through their emotional paces in order to achieve a kind of baseline, which helps her, I guess, sink down as as low as she can into their autonomic system. Yeah, it's creepy. I mean, Super it's creepy, creepy from the beginning. <laughs> what, what I think is interesting about the way they set up the whole possession idea in this story is that it's not just horrifying from the perspective of the person being invaded, like, although it is more so, but, like, it's horrifying to imagine oneself even doing the things that Tasia Voss is doing. Like, I, I wouldn't want to be in somebody else's mind and wearing them like a puppet any more than, you know, that's not much more. I mean, no, it's they more take great care to also establish, like, if you're in here for too long, you will get brain damage. Yes. You will get there's that. So it's like it's not great for her either. But she has to do it to get to the thing that she actually wants to get to, which is murder. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, right. That's one of the I mean, big revelations of the film yeah. is kinda you know, you'd think like she's probably an efficient, you know, hit person, hit woman, yeah. depending on who she's in, hit person. Um, but yeah, you realize she's maybe not that efficient. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, some of the um, things that she does, um, I mean, she is efficient in a way, but no, she's def maybe her methods yeah, she, start to get a little sloppy. She's definitely efficient in that she kills the person. But the fact is that, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. You have to see it to some degree from, uh, her employer's point of view, because there are only so many people who probably can do what she's doing and of yeah. those people there are only so many people who want to do what she's doing and the fact that she wants to murder people because she's kind of you know um addicted to it i suppose like whatever the adrenal cascade is that you get from murdering people um would really be uh like a draw rather than a drawback <laughs> Because it, it will make her do this thing, which is A, hard to do, and B, awful to continue doing. Well, it seems like a, it's not only it's not only the difficulty of like having to be a hit person, mm. but you also have to be a good actor on top of it. So it's sort of like secret agent that is also able to possess people. She isn't actually that great an actor. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess that comes into play, yeah. yes. I mean, we do get... Later on, like, you've gone strange on me. That's one of the lines. <laughs> yes. <laughs> strange is one way to put it. That's true. I mean, the fact is that when you're wearing another person like a, you know, like a, like a Muppet, um, except you're wearing them all over your body. Wow, that just sounds bad on a million different levels. And, Many yeah, levels, Yeah, anyways, yes. the point is that, you know, most people are not going to they may look at another at the other person and go, wow, you're acting really weird. But very few of them are likely 
to go. And therefore, I, I suspect you have another person stuck inside of you. <laughs> right. That's not really the first thing you would, you'd probably think drugs and then maybe mental illness. Yeah. Very, very far down the list, it would be yeah, and some sort of implant in your brain and you're possessed by someone. Exactly. And given that, you know, Chris Rabbit's character, at least, uh, his backstory is that he is a drug addict and he has been a drug dealer. Um, then, yeah, you would be more likely to think, well, he's obviously back on the coke or, you know, taking some weird thing to get through his incredibly boring day job. Right, which I do want to talk about because it's it's remarkably similar to what I do for a job That's, right now. Oh, my God. Yes, we absolutely have to talk um, about but that. But we'll get there when we um, get there. Thankfully, it's not exactly the same because I'd lose my mind, but... Just as a sidebar, um, it is really hard to make something that's set in the near future, and yet Cronenberg yeah. Fee here manages to do that perfectly. You know, um, yeah, because it's it's not so far fetched. Like we're already at. I mean, we're already at VR to an extent. I don't think we're at the VR they use in this. But sure. We're close enough that I don't think we're more than 10 years away from that, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little more. Um, I mean, in, in terms of the implant in the head, I don't. that's a tougher one to call. Also, I don't think we'd be using like stuff that looks like old radio equipment probably for it. But <laughs> Well, that's that's uh, that's a, a lovely uh, aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, Cronenberg aesthetic moment. Yeah, it reminded me of like Existence or some of the David Cronenberg movies that would have stuff like that in it. Yeah, I mean that that thing of like it's like the collision of meat and wires, the collision of meat and mechanics. Um, it actually and reminds brains. me. Of, yes, and brains. It, it actually reminds me a little of Tetsuo the Iron Man. Um, you know, yeah, obviously yeah. that's considerably raw. But at the same time, it just has a little bit of that feeling for me. Anyway, um, you know, and, and part of the other weird thing for me with this film is that I recognize almost every part of it because it was very obviously shot in Toronto. Um, but it's Toronto. So it was like an actual Toronto Yeah, exactly. Movie, yeah. Exactly. It's Toronto being played as Toronto. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's it's a fascinating thing. And Toronto is such a weird looking city anyways. Um, I say as a person who lives here, um, there's a. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never been, but I. Yeah. I mean, I can't speak too much on it, but, you know, from what I've seen in films, yeah, there's a it's got interesting architecture. Yeah. Cronenberg architecture, in fact, <laughs> the kind of architecture yeah. that makes me go, wow, this looks like a Cronenberg film. Oh, yes. There is a reason for that. Looks a little Basically. chilly. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, so this, my husband actually this intro. To, uh, oh, sorry. I'm, uh, I'm, you I'm go. so sorry. My husband actually used to work in the same um, building that uh, that um, Seth Brundle's lab is in in the Fly. Oh wow! I don't know. I don't know if that. I don't know if I'd want to go to work. <laughs> well. Cronenberg used that a couple of times. I think he also uses it in Videodrome. So. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's all really, you know, the city's very cool looking, obviously. Um, so we get this first scene, um, which is like, 
one of my favorites in the film. It's uh, Gabrielle Graham plays Holly, um, but obviously she's at this point. You know, it's the first I think ten minutes. We don't really know what's happening. We know she's sticking a needle in her head, calibrating something, you know, making emotional faces, and then we cut to her just sort of entering this kind of hotel restaurant. Mm-hmm. Everything's um, gold, but a very burnished, uh, deep. Um, almost bronzy gold, and uh, she's with a bunch of other. Oh yeah, very grainy. Love that. Uh, Yeah, charoscuro almost. Um, And she's entering this uh, this place with a whole bunch of other women who are dressed in exactly the same outfit. Um, Met by uh, another girl who's who's like Holly. Where have you been? And. one of the things that I noticed this time is that she looks over um, at a fountain and the fountain, the water cascading from the fountain appears to be going backwards. And I'm wondering whether that's um, just a, like a visual, uh, an optical illusion or whether it is part of Tazia Voss's um, brain damage already starting to occur. See, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah I, I took it more at a, at a level of intending to parallel the bloodletting that's to come. But I think also that's a good point to, to raise that it could be like the effect is that of water moving backward up, you know, up the wrong way. And I, that puts in mind all the reversals that take place between the people in the in the film as well. Yes. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this film is you basically going, you know, like, why are you doing this still? Just say something, <laughs> yep. you know, like, hey, I'm seeing stuff. So maybe we should stop. She's mm, not going to do that. <laughs> but she is not going to do that because she needs that sweet, sweet murder. Exactly. <laughs> um, but this is, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty brutal. I mean, super brutal. She basically, um, and you know later, obviously, we learn it's Tasia inside of um, inside of Holly. But you know, basically, before we know Tasia exists, we just see Holly. She grabs a knife, stabs this kind of overweight gentleman in the throat, and then proceeds to just overkill, stab him many, many times. Yeah, and there's what, a lot what, of people around too. We should mention that they and get yeah, panicked. there's tons of witnesses. Yeah. you know, it's it's one thing to stick your knife in a guy's throat and then. Yeah, at an angle. <laughs> it's just a steak knife. Oh, that's right. And then just pop it out and you get this spurt of blood coming out. But then to continuously do it, you know, it's like, how how much can I possibly stab this man? And then she's still hanging around afterwards, sticking her hand in the blood and looking at it like, hmm, that looks nice. <laughs> you know? That's that's a that's a really interesting yeah, as, color. as a normal person would yeah. do. Um, what's outside is inside, and, and what's inside the first is out. instance of this line, which becomes pretty pivotal. Uh, pull me out, yep. and she, you know, obviously, she gets a gun and she's going to shoot herself in the head, mm-hmm. but this this obviously comes back around. She doesn't. She waits for the police to show up. And for the police to shoot her. Yeah. I mean, she definitely looks like she's fighting herself to shoot herself in the head. That, you know, her mouth won't fully open 
enough to take in the uh, um, the barrel of the gun. And then, um, you know, uh, tears are leaking out of her eyes. And at a certain point, she's sort of like, yeah, fuck it. You know, if I just stand here being black with a gun in my hand. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which it's also probably important and, uh, to mention. As expected. Uh, she, oh, you go. She had the gun with her the whole time. So that immediately calls into question, okay, well, why did she just butcher this dude with a knife instead of the gun that she had with her? Well, because she saw the knives coming in and they looked so pretty. Uh, yeah, there you go. Maybe that's all the reason she needed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, um, but, but bang, 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 but bang, yeah. bang, you know, uh, down goes Holly. And we immediately cut to Tazu Boss, um, who appears to be having a bit of a seizure. Um, <laughs> a bit, yeah, a bit of a seizure. Um, you know, later she actually has a seizure. So we find out, no, 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 that's just normal. This is, this is just- it reminds me of the Hannibal line. Um, is he having a seizure? Well, it's mild. <laughs> I said it was mild. I said it was mild. <laughs> you know, sort of like I, yeah, yeah. I said, ha ha. Um, but yeah, the machine. We got a better look at the machine later on, but for some reason, it sort of reminded me of the um, an alien. The ah, uh, what the hell is the it? Basically, this enormous spacesuit. We find out in uh, Prometheus, it's an enormous like spacesuit. Yes, but in the first Alien, we see it as just this big. Uh, Geiger-esque creature, creature um, the, type uh, thing, the, yeah, like a the statue. Jockey, the, the space jockey. Yeah, the jockey. That's it. The space jockey. Yeah, yeah it is. A- it's sort of the helmet. Sort of reminded me of that in terms of the um, the kind of aerodynamic quality of it and how it sort of looks like an elongated head. Yes. Yeah, and they're you know like removing it from her, and there's a bit of a um, it's kind of gooey. Uh, there's a bit of a sense of birth or rebirth. Um, like you're, like yeah. you're surfacing from something, which, you know, you are basically. Um, and this is Tassie Voss, as I said. Um, Andrea Risebro is an interesting looking woman, mainly because left to her own devices, she is pretty super pale. I don't think that's her exact color- coloring. Um, but, uh, I, I think they have made her paler than usual, but yeah, I think they dyed her eyebrows cause I'm looking at her IMDb still and she's got brown yeah, eyebrows absolutely. in it. But... So yeah, once you dye her eyebrows, she looks super weird. She looks like she came out of a, like a, she came out of a tank somewhere. Well, I mean, I can say that to somebody who's had blonde eyebrows my entire life, you look, yeah, you look in an interesting, like. Like, I look a little more normal because I already had them. But if you take someone that's already got maybe even, like, light brown hair and dye their eyebrows blonde, Mm. their face just looks completely different. Yeah, Yeah, there's something nude about it. Something nude and kind of, um, again, baseline, you know. Uh, She looks like a person who, um, not that she's wearing a mask, but almost that her face could be a mask, which, again, feeds into visuals later on. Yes, and she also looks like she like literally never goes in the sun. Yeah. Well, I, I don't... she looks like someone who's been living in a cave, basically. Yeah, yeah. well, she's been living. Which I guess isn't that yeah. far off. <laughs> living in uh, office after office after office, according to the people in her life, but uh, actually living in lab after lab after lab. 
Yeah, and this is when we're introduced to, um, and obviously I won't remember because I have no memory. Uh, Girder. Girder, yes, by Jennifer Jason yes. Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee. Who does, well, she's got it. an interesting uh, oh, she's amazing. performance. You know, obviously she's her boss. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee has always been an odd lady. And uh, what I love is um, having sort of grown up with her to some degree, you know, um, tracing uh, the, the trajectory of her career, that she's now come to this point where she's like, <clears throat> you know, much, much like a, a bunch of other people who started out sort of conventionally attractive. And then uh, aged into um, character parts. I think she's super happy to be a character part now. <laughs> but she's got that amazing voice and <clears throat> that's those strange expressions. And she's... Yeah, she's got... It's interesting because actually, if you've seen Annihilation as well, she's almost playing the same character almost it's similar yeah very similar it's sort of like this person in a position of authority that's also trying to like pretend to be your friend but like not doing the best job <laughs> yeah although she's pretending a little better than the chick from annihilation who has that's who true has that, given i mean yes she's much more <laughs> she's much friendlier in this than annihilation. Yeah, she's given up pretending because she you know in annihilation because it's like i'm gonna die so fuck it <laughs> you know yeah, then there's also just yeah, the, but the, the yeah, I mean, that, like, but the relationship is sort of like it's like part boss, maybe part friend, part mom, part mom. Yeah, she's um. Oh, and the other thing I wanted to uh, point out is that in a way, this is very much like um, an extension of Allegra Geller. This is like Geller could have turned into Gerder as she got older um, from existence. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah it's true you know, like, um, i used to i get, used to design um, uh you know i used to design uh you know um programs for existence but uh then there was that whole gristle gun incident and uh yeah <laughs> uh, this is a lot cleaner now yeah, yeah it's a lot easier um but so we get uh girder Basically doing this psychological testing, it's sort of reminiscent of the uh, the Blade Runner, maybe not as um, uh, abstract as the Blade Runner tests, but this is much more of a normal psychological, like, <laughs> here's a thing. What is it? How is it tied to you? And so we go through and uh, Tasha is like, this is my grandfather's pipe. And she goes through, this is a butterfly. I killed it. I felt bad about it. Importantly, she says, I felt bad about it and I still feel bad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gordon and line. then looking at this thing and going, yeah, I don't know what this is at all. I don't recognize this. Yeah. Like they throw on control things, like uh, just stuff, I guess, that isn't related to her. Good. And so she passes the test and. Uh... Yeah. And even there, you kind of feel like it's a test, not so much to check that you haven't damaged your brain, but that the damage that you've done to your brain is within uh, workable parameters. Yeah. Right, it's like so they don't get an OSHA violate or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think OSHA stops by, but you know. Yeah. Well, she doesn't want to be so damaged. It's like we've proven that she's out. within 80%, so it's fine legally. Yeah. I love that idea. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm sorry, you, you this, this really damages far too much of your brain. <laughs> yeah, um, and we get them later on, uh, Tasia 
And, you know, in retrospect, it's sort of sad because she's sort of desperately clinging on to her humanity. Like, hey, I need some time off because, mm-hmm. you know, my whole job is not being myself and possessing people and then murdering people. Yeah. I could use a little time I've, off. I've been talking to Michael. Didn't we say that um, that you weren't going to do that anymore? Aren't you, aren't you two separated? Well, yes, 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 of course we are. But I, I have been talking to him. And um, yes, anyways. <laughs> you know, and there's this real sense that, um, you know, Gruder says to her directly, um, I'm getting old. I'm too old to interact with the machine anymore. You know, I, I can't I can't do what I used to do. It's too hard on my body. And, you know, I always felt that knowing that I would have to, you know, think of someone to uh, tap someone to take over after me. I always felt that given the way that we've developed your. Your abilities together, that you would be that person. And Tazi was like. I, I would be honored, you know, but nevertheless, I'm going to go see Michael. Um. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of that classic uh, crime film thing where it's like you got the handler and then the assassin and the assassin's like, you know, I kind of just want to desperately be a human. So I might like take a break. And the handler's like, no, no, because you're my best. Yeah, and, don't do that. You know, yeah, if you become a human it. again, you'll be worse at this job. So yeah, seriously, I, I, I don't think you're qualified <laughs> i think maybe you have fucked yourself beyond redemption you know she isn't quite that that overt with it but yeah you you get that vague idea and it certainly isn't helped by the fact that the next thing you see pretty much is tazia um standing at the uh end of the street where her her ex-husband and her son live uh, Oh, and she has to practice being herself. That's right. That's right. Speech. It's so chilling. Yeah. She's like, we, we she also, has to practice. Like, I'm, I'm starving. I'm starving. Like, oh, darling, what's that? What have you got there, darling? Show it to me. Yeah, trying to blend so back she in. She literally with can't life. even. Yeah. yeah, she can't even remember how to be herself. Like, she has to practice, like she does with other people. So that's probably your first sign. Things aren't going yeah. great. Yeah. No. Or they're going really great. You know, depending on what you want uh, out of Right, depending on which character Um, you are. Michael, uh, Michael Voss, um, her ex-husband, is played by Rasif Sutherland, uh, who is the half-brother of uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Um, I was going to ask, because I'm like, you know, you always wonder when you see a familiar last name, are they related? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he doesn't look like... It's it's interesting, because Kiefer looks more like his dad, except, except in terms of height. (laughs) <laughs> but Rasu looks okay. more like his dad in terms of height. <laughs> um, and like I said, they're only half brothers, so uh, not the same mother. Um, I like the fact that Michael is a weird um, sort of academic guy. He's he's kind of, you know, I mean, he's so huge next to Tasia, next to uh, Andrea Riseborough. Um, she's she's a tiny, tiny little woman um next to him but uh you know whatever um whatever violence you might feel in that um size disparity you know is completely uh blown off by the fact that um he's he's such a 
you know, sort of absent-minded professor kind of guy. You know, it's like yeah, he's like basically a big teddy bear academic. Exactly, he lives in a completely different world, and she's just you know sitting there listening to him tell jokes about uh, you know the harassing chest hair of the guy he works with. <laughs> I do like that the the story actually sounds Cronenbergian as well yes. though, because it starts like ha ha, his chest hair was showing, but then it goes into it probably like gets loose at night and goes sniffing for menstrual blood. It's like, okay, that that's not a normal story you would tell someone. <laughs> oh, but it's hilarious. It's, it's very, you know, it's very, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's something very academic about it. There's something very, you know, it's like, I am playing word games. Ha 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 ha. Kind of, you know, meanwhile, um, Ira, uh, her son, um, before, uh, dinner is, playing around with this um, puppet that his dad has given him, this robot that his dad... Has given Which him. is the scariest goddamn puppet. Oh, God. And he's learning how to program it so that he can make it do whatever he wants it to do. I can yeah, make him... Thematic. Do <laughs> and then he does this little dance, and it is indeed a scary-ass fucking little dance. I mean, I think it's it's also... There's mirroring later on, but the face... You know, it's the same quality of later on. It, it looks just like a loose face yeah. that's just sort of put over something. You know what it looks a lot like? It looks like um, there was a there was a weird doll that they sold back in the uh, 70s. There was um, a, a guy uh, with a whole bunch of disguises. And it looks like the original template for that doll. You know, it's like the face under all the disguises, you know, it's like you could give him a, um, you know, big eyebrows or you could leave him bald or you could give him a beard or a mustache or, you know, some kind of weird scars, you know, um, it looks like the face under that face. So the farther back in time yeah. you go, the creepier the puppets start to look usually. <laughs> yeah, so, that is absolutely true. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's like um, and they're just droning on and on and on all these guests, you know, it's like making these jokes, la la la, you know, and Tazia goes into the other room and starts opening another bottle of wine or or rather um, Michael comes in and starts opening another bottle of wine. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that they were going to stay so long. And she's just sort of like, well, why don't you tell them to leave and sort of sticks her face in the crook of his neck like. And then the light bulb goes off and he's like, oh, yes, oh, of yes, course. Because you would like to fuck. OK, let's. Yeah. He's fairly oblivious as a character. I mean, for instance, never bothers to check up on what his wife actually does for a job. Nope. Um, he just assumes she signed some kind of corporate NDA and she can't tell him. Yeah, she's usually yeah, saying she's basically. flying around out of country when she's on assignments for Girder. Yep. Yep. That's, uh, you know, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to travel again. <laughs> It's like Jennifer Gardner and Alias. Oh, got to do another trip. Yeah, <laughs> got to go to Hong Kong. <laughs> um, yeah, so then we get uh, a sex scene. <laughs> yes, yes. And With uh, some unusual uh, connections to what happened in the beginning, because uh, she starts thinking about her husband uh, with a knife going into him while they're in the middle of it. Yes. Yeah. And it, and it really yeah. is. I mean, you know, again, it's like if you didn't know that whatever the fuck you're doing to yourself is really fucking you up, you know, it's sort of like here I am in bed with this man who obviously 
loves and desires me a lot. I was the one who initiated the sex, but he's going at it. And I'm just sort of, you know, looking at the ceiling or his shoulder, maybe and remembering, stabbing yeah, remembering somebody yes. stabbing somebody to arouse myself. It's like it would be impolite that I, if to initiate sex with my husband and then not have a not have an orgasm. So mm, what can I do about that? Oh, you know what? That was nice looking blood. Wow. And then tellingly, she starts to bite his neck a little bit in the same area. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah some of that reminded me, you know, that was one of the clearest, I think, through lines from some of David Cronenberg's movies that you see in the movie. Like just the, the very obvious parallels between sex and violence and particular acts contained within each of those. Um, yeah, I mean, he's doing he's doing a lot of his own thing, but that was where I felt like I saw a lot of lineage there. Yeah, um, apparently he says he's never seen his dad's movies, and I call bullshit on that. The, the, yeah, the I just don't think that's possible. Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's. Possible. You must have at least seen some rough stuff, like yeah. he's. He, I don't know somewhere. Yeah, no, I'm 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 not talking about you know it's like a, you must have like you know walked in on your dad editing something. I'm talking about the fact that you're Canadian. <laughs> and, and your, well, and your dad too, is David well. fucking Cronenberg. <laughs> You're depriving yourself, son. Yeah, yeah. If if that's true, which I doubt. Um, but anyways, yes. Uh, obviously, the uh, the sex, you know, sex is violence. Ted just admitted, you, you know, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, so uh, she gets up and she, uh, you know, she, the next thing you see, she's on the phone with Gerter, you know, going like, I, I apologize for seeming so spacey. You know, I, I, I've been thinking about it and I do want to come back to work. And uh, yeah, so call me, please, please call me, please call me soon. <laughs> yeah, in that, in that previous scene, I think in the conversation with Gerter, they, Gerter teases the fact that there's a big, uh assignment coming up that like is super important and so that the the context i think because that that illuminates the context of garter saying some of the stuff to manipulate um tasia voss because garter has this big interest in this big hit coming up yes yeah like it's gonna be and she also seems like she's her show pony like she's the best yeah. at it yeah you know, why would you not want to, you know, I can promise you that Tassie Voss is going to be attached to this. You know, she has a perfect record, you know, or whatever. I don't know that she has a perfect record, but I'll bet you five bucks that she probably does. I'll bet yeah, you a little Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's noteworthy about her record so far is that she has deviated from what the plan was, because um, Gerder does mention that she was given a gun to to do this execution with, and she wondered why she used a knife instead. Uh, I forget what she says in response to that, but they do mention that, I think, in their first debriefing, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I I believe her excuse is, well, it seemed like it fit the character. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it seemed seemed more in character. It's, um, which, you know, it's like, why? (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's also like, but, but the people you're killing are going to die. So it's not like, like, who's going to be the witness? Yeah, it's a it's a strange. Yeah, it's a strange thing to say. I mean, I guess it works as an excuse one time. But, you know, when it when obviously it happens again, that's <laughs> probably when Gerder's like, OK, well, that was a lie. Yes. <laughs> I, I am pretty I was pretty sure it was a lie. But, dude. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, you're right. And then, um, and then Michael walks out of the bedroom and he's like, Oh, are, are you going again? And she's like, yes, I have to, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. That was work. I, I have to go. Um, and, and he's still got that, that wound in his neck. She's still seeing this bleeding wound in his neck. Yeah, and isn't it around this yep, point that perfectly she perfectly normal? I think she has some other hallucination in one of these first few scenes where she sees this weird thing that looks like a white spitball fluttering in the air. I could never tell exactly what that is, although it's clearly indicating that she's not fully in tune with reality. Do you have anybody have any idea what those are supposed to be? Um, it's uh, they they talk about it at one point, and it's uh, they call it something like leftover. They oh, call okay. it something like that. a yeah, um, like an oh, an artifact. It's an artifact. Oh, okay. So it's sort of like um, memory bleeding into um, the present, or possibly it might be like a visual artifact, like like uh, the kind of um, orbs you start to see when you uh, begin to develop something wrong with your eye. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, the point was pretty yeah, clear. I, mean, I just didn't in know why practice, they chose that. It looks thing. like a tiny little white pebble. That's right. But. Um, and yeah, I mean, she, she sort of vaguely seems to feel bad about leaving Ira, who's asleep. But on the other hand, sometimes I think um, what she's actually feeling bad about is not feeling more for Ira, who is, after all, her son. It's hard to tell because her performance is intentionally very... Very. Not there, like very... I hesitate to say flat. No. And I hesitate to say bland. And yet there is, you know. Just like personality-less, perhaps? <laughs> that might be it. Um, oh, uh, scraped. It's like her personality is being scraped thin. Her original personality. Yeah, I mean. It's... Yeah, I mean, and you got to figure if this is your job to be other people. Yeah. Although I, I guess that's an actor, so I mean that's not that far mm. off, except for the murder. Well, well, this part is the thing. Is, I mean, obviously. being an actor and being an assassin who inhabits other people in order to murder people—that's not quite the same thing. I mean, I you right. know, it's like yeah, my parents I mean, are both actors. Also, there's an ability to even if your method eventually shut that off, that I don't think you would have yeah. as easy of a time with if you were literally inside someone else. Yeah. Uh, as I said, my parents are both are both actors. I've been around actors all my life. They're they're neurotic people, but right. they're not that fucking weird unless there's something genuinely wrong with them. At, at which point, they're not really uh, useful as actors. It's true. I think of Christian Bale, but he's still on that line. I don't know. <laughs> he always just. I don't want to speak ill. He's a good actor, but I've always been like. Well, there's something. <laughs> what you doing to yourself, Chris? I don't know. Um, but yeah, so yeah. Now we talk <laughs> about Zootropia, the the big assignment that was teased a couple of scenes ago, a scene or two ago. So yes. that's when they kind of this is the first time you really get a strong info dump where okay, here's how this operation works. Here's the kind of entities that are hiring them. Here are the limitations and like the three day rule. And so yeah. You know, Gerder introduces all this, you know, the, the new client is Zootropia or Zootropia. I forget which one, but it's a, I think it's Zootropia. Zootropia. It's a big data mining organization and their headquarters is in Toronto and they've been hired by the stepson of the CEO 
the stepson wants to assassinate the CEO's daughter and the CEO using the body of the CEO's daughter's boyfriend, who is also an employee, a low-level employee at Zithropia. And yeah. he also was a drug dealer. So hopefully I got all that recapped correctly. I think that's all. Yeah, yeah. he was he was her he was her drug dealer, which is how yeah. Yeah. they met. And uh, I guess part of um, always a recipe for success, yeah. you know, planning to marry your drug dealer. Yeah, but this is a, a really big corporate coup because you know the stepson would inherit everything. He'd be the next in line to inherit it, and then also that means that. Um, Gerder and company would own him because they have all this compromising material on it. And so they're also going to be getting shares in the company aside from the big you know, dollar amount, but they also would basically have effective control of the stepson because they could just blackmail him. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, remember that time that you hired us to kill you, kill your dad? <laughs> well, and your sister, la la la. Anyway. Um, yeah. So this is how we get to meet uh, Chris Rabbit. Um, and you know, uh, Abbott is an interesting looking guy because he is um, he's attractive, um, dark haired. Uh, he's a handsome dude. But there's something that, you know, it's like I've seen him in, uh, I think, about four movies now. And he's capable of being scary. Um, but there's something that's kind of lost about him. And in fact, there's something that's kind of soft about him uh maybe it's his eyes you know he has big it, italianate kind of you know liquid liquidy eyes but um yeah there's yeah, and long long eyelashes uh but there's something about him that is very um mm, yeah kind of sensitive so to speak um which is yeah, at a glance, he looks kind of like a, a you know a man's man type of guy. But you know, the, the more you look at him, the more like they he sort of plays it more in the middle in terms of the gender, which is perfectly exactly what the, the situation here calls for. Exactly, yeah. Um, so you know, and certainly a person who has you, you get the feeling that he he feels like he's fallen into a really he's he's kind of he's fallen into kind of like a trough of pig swill. But at the same time, he's also very aware that the people around his girlfriend and even his girlfriend and definitely his girlfriend's father um, all kind of treat him like he's her pet. Like he's this. Which this, isn't that far off. Honestly. Yeah, this 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 weird, you know, pig with a ribbon around its neck that she takes to parties, you know, and shows off. And, you know, she's betting a commoner, basically. Yes, yes. He's he's the commoner, um, you know, and you can you can wash a pig, but it's still a pig. Right. Yeah. And we also learn that uh, her father is Sean Bean. So obviously he's going to die in some <laughs> terrible way <laughs> And because that man has I, I think there might be one movie he lived through. And, and it's Sean Bean being a total asshole, which you don't see very much anymore when uh, yeah, he's when a nice he's, guy. Oh, that's true. Yeah. When he was younger, he played a lot more gangsters. And this is much more like that. Um, it actually reminds me a lot of uh, the character that he plays in Red Riding. Um, who's, uh, you know, one of those dudes from the North, you know, who's like, this is the North where we do whatever the fuck we want. You know, and it's 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 very much like that, except it's it's a type. similar performance. Yeah. yeah. Not even that, I would say, slightly less gangsterish, but not even. No, he he no, sort of plays it the same way. Gangster, you know, it's like. Yeah. Um, 
plays it with a little more grandiosity. Yes. You know, like. Yeah. It's like one, one assumes, yeah, you're sort of like, well, he, he owns a, an information gathering company, so he must be at least a little bit of a scientist. And then I thought, well, no, he probably just ripped some scientists off. <laughs> yeah. That's right. He right. probably stole the information from scientists first and then, um, but yeah, yeah. So we, uh, in fairly short order. I mean, we got a scene of, um, Tasha, she's basically in a building facing uh, the target, you know, facing uh, Colin and um, his girlfriend, whose name I forget right now, do, 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 do. Catherine. Yeah, Colin and Catherine's apartment. Uh, she's and she's kind of listening yeah. in, um, trying to trying to get the trying to mimic his speech. Yeah, she's like, and it's pretty funny because literally one of the conversations she's listening in on. Later on, she's like, it's literally the same exchange. Yeah. Well, you get the feeling they probably say the same, a lot of the same shit to each other That's on a true. daily basis, um, which uh, is fairly normal. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fairly true. normal. You, you fall into speech patterns with people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I like how they do this because it's, it's very quick. You know, there's no... There's no like storming the castle type thing or it's it's literally just like he, he goes for a walk or something and then we cut to him passed out inside this van. Yes. Yeah. That's that's how it that's how it happens, you know. They uh they get you up off the street and they stick a bunch of not even a bunch of hardware in your brain, just like one thing, like this jack in your brain in the right place. And then which looks like 70 stereo equipment, yes. <laughs> It's like a four-hour operation, though. It seemed it seemed like it takes a long time, though. They have to get the person totally unconscious, and the thing I said it was like four hours that they it took to do all this, though. I, I think more no. than anything else, it's like putting it in the right place so that you don't, I don't know, destroy the guy's capacity to hold his water. Yeah, it seems right, like there's some detail yeah. work that would be involved in something like this. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to accidentally give him a stroke so half his face is. Yeah. You know. <laughs> what happened, Colin? I don't know. <laughs> everything is fine no um so yeah we got the chip put into colin's head and uh fairly short order we get this very beautiful um very haunting and strange it's sort of like the montage of like when one person goes into another person yeah um it's fascinatingly put together um it appears to be there's there's like no cgi involved it's it's no. all practical effects and as far as i can tell it appears to be like making a wax model of a person run backwards yeah yeah, yeah. and two wax models kind of you know melting together and then you know yeah you melt it and then you reverse the shot similar to what they did in hellraiser actually yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, it's really incredible. And then you got Tasia inside of Colin. Uh, it's really cool. I, I think the it's a weird combination of having a dreamlike quality, but also it's like hyper edit really fast happening on screen. So it's like a montage in twenty seconds or something like that. Yes. Yeah, and they love the color yellow in this movie. So well, yellow is a yellow is an interesting color because um, it is natural, but there's something unnatural about it when you use a lot of it 
Um, you expect yeah. to see little bits of yellow. You don't expect to see like a whole bunch of yellow. And there's something a bit um, off-putting about it. It's uh, it's jaundice-like. It's it, there's a bit of a plague sense to it. Yeah, you know, and 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 it it also means happy in a lot of in a lot of shorthand, a lot of um, you know, symbolic symbolical shorthand. Um, so you're like, I'm not happy. This doesn't make me happy at all. <laughs> yeah, I think if you go too long with the yellow, it just reads as crazy, though, which I think is the intent. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the way I thought about it was in juxtaposition with the black in like the the title imagery, uh, where it's yellow and black, and it's like, well, that's yellow is a st- stereotypically feminine color, and then black is typically associated with men, and we've got all of those gender intermixing things going on between the two of them. So I don't know if that's reaching, but I was thinking about that a little bit. No, that's that's true, and that's really good. And yellow and black is um, means you know venom, poison. It means you danger. Uh, because mm-hmm. it reminds you of a bee, a wasp, a stinging in- insect of some type. Yes, but so eventually uh, Tasia is, you know, she just wakes up as Colin, and um, basically what you'd expect yeah. if you were <laughs> exploring a new person, or especially a woman going into a man's body, <laughs> it's like, let's look at this. Yeah. Oh, look at this thing. Well, guys are always like, you know, what 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 is the first thing that you would do if um, you know, you woke up as a woman? Oh, I'd look at my own boobs, you know, which I always find really yeah. hilarious considering I've had boobs most of my life. They are not that fascinating. No, but I mean, I guess the whole thing is Yeah. It's like the grass is greener. Bags of yellow fat. Yeah. It's the the merging of desire for the other and to be the other. It's uh, you know, like a a lot of Twin Peaks. Well, I mean, Twin Peaks spent a lot of time talking about that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, but so she does a little look down the pants, like oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 